y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith's American Podcast, Volume 18. 18! Can't tell you guys how much I appreciate your support of this project, man. 18. It's awesome. We have a killer show today. NHL star Mike Fisher, of course, began his career with the Ottawa Senators, ultimately made his way to Nashville, Tennessee, to close out his career with the Nashville Predators. He thought it was over once, but it wasn't. He came back for another go-round, and we get into that with him, why it was important to come out of retirement and give it another go. We start this conversation with his appreciation for the outdoors. Of course, I love the outdoors, man, hunting and fishing and boating and all of those things. And I get into it deep with Mike about his appreciation for the outdoors and why he found it catching deers. I found it hilarious when I learned that he had started a hunting apparel company called Catching Deers. And you'll learn in this podcast why it's named that. It's a funny story. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. We get into hockey. I'm ignorant about hockey. I just don't know very much about the game. And I learned a ton chatting with Mike about the intricacies of the sport and his absolute passion for it. I love to hear him detail it. We discuss his marriage. Uh, as I said, he started in Ottawa, made his way to Nashville, which was fortuitous for him because his wife is Carrie Underwood. Arguably the biggest star in country music, certainly one of the biggest stars in all of music. And she had a really bad fall last winter at their home just outside of Nashville. Shattered her wrist, required 40 or 50 stitches to repair her face. And he gets into the details of that, how scary it was for them. So it is a wide-ranging conversation, fascinating conversation, with a guy that it was a great pleasure for me to meet, and I hope he'll take me hunting one day. Mike, you're on notice. I want to go hunting, brother. But before we get to Mike, I just want to remind you guys to please subscribe, rate, and review the Marty Smith's America podcast. I know it seems trivial, might be annoying, might seem unnecessary, but for us, it's really helpful. So if you do it, we'd appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for your commitment to this project. Travis and I have a blast doing it. Before we get to Mike, though, I just want to discuss Kalo rings with you guys. Kalo rings are designed to ensure your hands are safe and comfortable in the workplace, the gym, the outdoors, everywhere in between. Basically, that's my life. All right. I'm on the road all the time. I'm on the go all the time. I love being active. I love to train for triathlons. I love to run. I love to cycle. I lift weights all the time. Kalo is perfect for me. Unlike the traditional metal wedding band, Kalo rings are made from silicone. That allows your ring to stay on at times where traditional metal rings might need to be removed. Kalo rings allow you guys to live your lives safely and comfortably while still representing your commitment to your spouse and your family. I love the one I have on right now. For July 4th, my boy Cody Wittick from Kalo sent me a red ring that said USA and had a bunch of stars on it. He sent me a July 4th wedding band. I loved it. Got a lot of questions about it when I was out wearing it. The one I have on now, it's gray. It has a black arrow all the way around it. I love arrows. Might be weird to y'all. Don't know. I love them. I love this ring. And I'm not alone. Andy Dalton, Kirk Cousins, Jordy Nelson, Derek Carr, all those guys. NFL superstars. Wear them during games. Steph Curry, Isaiah Thomas, and Harrison Barnes. NBA stars. They wear them. Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, Chris Bryant, MLB superstars. Some of the best players in the league, they wear them. My buddies, Jason Aldean and Sam Hunt, country music superstars, they wear them. If you're a firefighter, policeman, maybe you're in the military, maybe you're a carpenter, construction worker, electrician, or mechanic, all you guys use your hands every day. You should be wearing these rings. They're available in 18 different styles and more than 50 colors. You can get what you want at Kalo.com. That's Q-A-L-O.com. Kalo.com and use the code Marty, you get 15% off. You can also get them at Academy Sports and Outdoor, Bass Pro Shops, REI, and Dick's Sporting Goods. You can get them where you shop already. Take a look. It's really easy to do. Kalo.com, promo code Marty, you get 15% off. Go do it right now. And now, without further ado, here's my wide-ranging, awesome conversation with former NHL star Mike Fisher. All right, Mike, we're going to start uh, with your brother, aptly named Bud, in these Catching Deers videos. Son, I laugh my ass off when I watch these videos. 
For those of you guys listening who don't know, Mike has an outdoor apparel company called Catching Deers. This first came to my attention when my buddy Jimmy Johnson, who is, of course, the seven-time NASCAR champion, calls me after the Martinsville race last year and says, guess who I met? I met, uh, I met Mike Fisher from the Nashville Predators, and he has this, he has an outdoors company, and they called it Catching Deers. And Johnson thought that was the funniest thing ever. Mike, <laughs> how did Catching Deers come to be? How's this happen? Well, we, as a hunter, I mean, I grew up hunting, and, uh, you know, you get asked by people every once in a while if you caught anything. You, you catch anything, <laughs> and it's like, kind of roll your eyes, and it's like, well, you, no, I didn't catch anything. I let it go this time, or just kind of try to start a funny joke, and, and then it was like three years ago, um, we're all in hunt camp. I have a place in Kentucky and, uh, my brother was there and some buddies and one of our buddies that's not a hunter comes in, he comes rolling in straight from the city and he's like, y'all catch anything? And, and we just started laughing and, and he's, he's a guy that wanted to, you know, picked up a bow, was starting to learn is like, well, here's your first tip. Do not say that ever again. And so the following year, so we made a joke of it all the time and we'd heard it before, but it was funny. So that's Austin. He's another partner. And, uh, he, so the next year, my brother and Austin has an apparel company that my brother was working for at the time. And he, so my brother made up these catching deers hats, just foam standard trucker. And they thought it'd be funny to give everyone in camp. So camp one to wear. So we started wearing them around and then people were started asking us about them, where we get them. And that's kind of how it morphed into a company. And now we sell kind of everything and a lot of different you know lifestyle apparel and and we have fun and my my brother's really creative and we've always said ever since he was you know four or five years old that he should have been a he should be an actor because he's always been like that good in the camera funny and um so we're we're having fun with it that's kind of how it how it got started and um it's grown from there and uh, okay so we have catching deers tv what is the hope for this platform where do you want to take it well, we, um, uh, originally we just started doing, you know, funny videos and, um, uh, we're having some fun with it. And, um, then it, then it turned into a real hunting show. We wanted to show people that, you know, we're real hunters too. We love to have a great time. And that's kind of the vision for, for the company too, is to, we love to laugh. And honestly, my hunt camp is like a locker room. It's guys are joking around. And because of that, I actually made a, a locker space in my hunt camp that everyone has their own locker with their name tag and, and I wanted cool. to make it like kind of, you know, the, the locker room, you know, hockey locker room. But so, but then it turned into a hunting show, like I was saying, and, um, we put, we put that out on carbon TV and, and we wanted to be about our faith too, because that's important to, to my brother and I and, and my buddies that it's, you know, that's how we connect with God through the outdoors. I think that's why I, I love it so much. And, you know, the fast paced life that you know, all of us lead, I, I think it's, it's good to kind of settle down and, and, uh, you know, just take some time and, and in nature. And I've always been like that, but that's kind of what we wanted to get out of our TV or our show that's on catching deer's TV or hunting show is kind of show some good hunts, but also show a bit, a bit of the face side of what we're all about. And people seem to be liking it and really connected with it. And, um, that's what we want to do. Funny how you mentioned that, how being outside and being in the outdoors and getting away from the noise really does sort of reconnect you not only introspectively but with your faith i just had an amazing opportunity to go with scott frost who's the new head coach at nebraska to the grand canyon and we hiked 26 Mm -hmm. miles through the grand canyon and when you have that moment and the cell phone uh, says no service it's amazing what you think about and how small you feel and uh so i think it's killer that you guys are doing that i think that's awesome you mentioned a moment ago about how you hunted as a kid how did your your love of the outdoors develop well my um my mom's side of the family they live north of peterborough a couple hours north of toronto and they're all live out in the country she grew up on a farm and she's got actually she's from a family of uh there's 10 siblings and they're all hunters and uh my mom not so much but all the brothers did so my dad would would hunt with my mom's side of the family my dad's dad hunted a little bit but my mom's side was more serious so I think the first time I was able to go deer hunting with my dad was about 10 years old and I'll never forget it. Those are some of the best memories I've had with my dad are, are him taking me deer hunting and I couldn't, you know, it's hard to get to bed. You're so excited. It's like Christmas morning for me. And (laughs) as a kid, we grew up kind of outside Peterborough in the country, just like a little three acre lot. And, um, I had a little dog that I would get home from school, 
grab my pellet gun and just walk in the woods by myself. And I, that was one of my favorite things to do too. I just love being outside, trying to find things, seeing if I could see deer, not necessarily just shooting stuff, but just being outside with me and my dog. And I just, I've always loved being outside, being in space and just kind of being, not always being by myself because I love the hunt camp, but like, like you said, so there's something about being just not connected. And that, that was obviously before cell phones when I was a kid. And, but that's, it's just, I, I feel like that's kind of how God wired me and, and probably be a lot because of my mom and her side of the family. And my dad likes to hunt. He's not, he's not uh diehard like, like my uh, two brothers and I though. How does the outdoors or passions outside the arena, how do those buoy you emotionally when you decide it's time to step away from the arena, from the game, from what was your identity? Well, I've always, I've always, um, I've always tried not to, and it's hard not to have your identity in just one thing, which was hockey. And everyone knows me as a hockey player, but um, I don't, it's never been all of my life as I know it's my job and I spent a lot of time on it, but I think my love of the outdoors really helped me when I left the game, uh, when I retired the first time, because I, I was able to, and the timing of it too, was I, I just felt like it was time to be done. I wanted to spend more time with my family and then catching deers kind of was happening at the same time. And it wasn't, you know, that wasn't the reason why I retired, but it was nice to step into something where I am passionate about. I think when you leave something that's a passion of yours, if you have another passion um, somewhere else, I think it, it only helps. And it did for me. And I, you definitely didn't definitely miss the game of hockey. There's no question, but I love spending time being I'm a bit of a homebody too, and so is my wife. And um, I love being at home with my little three-year-old, and then being able to go out and do other things that I love, with you know, hunting and fishing. And so, it definitely it definitely helps to have those passions. And um, when, when something you've done all your life kind of leaves you, so why'd you retire? Uh, there's lots of different reasons, but uh, first or second time. <laughs> let's go to the first time first and we'll we'll worry about the no. second time in a minute you know what i i'd uh i'd actually considered it two two seasons ago i'd consider retiring so had a year left on my contract and it was it was a tough year being away my little man was a year and a half old and you know my wife was on tour and you know i'd see them once twice a month and my little man's you know he's learning to talk and running around and i just didn't you know our our nanny would be on tour sending us pictures and of what they were doing every day. And it was, it just killed me. And, um, I was, so I started thinking about retiring that year. And then I had a moment, um, or I was with a buddy of mine and just really felt the Lord say that I need you for one more year. And, um, so I went back for another season and then I kind of felt like that was kind of my last year all along. And, you know, if it wasn't, I needed, I just said, Lord, just show me if there's, if I'm supposed to go back. And so then I retired, I felt like that was what I was supposed to do. And, um, at that time, and then my wife had an accident in the fall and there's lots of things that happened that God kind of showed me, okay, that's why I needed to be at home, be around. And then, uh, yeah, then I decided to come back for a short run, which my wife actually was a big, she's a big fan of. She's actually the reason why I came back. She really wanted me to, to do it. And, and, uh, and I did too, but so, and then, I, and then I knew that was kind of my last kick at the can, and that was it. So, Why did Carrie want you to unretire? Well, I asked her. I'm like, man, you, you really want me out of the house that bad? Or, <laughs> and, she's, and she's like, no, nah, she, really, she's like, she said she wanted to see my name on the cup. She's like, you deserve it. I want to see. And she knew that, I mean, I, everything we try to do is a family decision. I, I've always told her, you know what, I'll retire at any time for us or if we need to, or, and she's kind of been the same. And it's all about our family before, you know, our careers. And, um, I think that's why it's worked, but we both understand each other too. She's, she'd never want to be the reason why I would, you know, retire or give up what I love to do. But, um, no, she, uh, I think, and she, she's a big fan too. It's, she never was until, until we started dating, but she, she loves watching hockey and you know what? It's hard to be playoff hockey and, being a part of something that she knows that I love to do, especially that time of year. So, what are the chances you coach mm-hmm. someday? Uh, no, no, I won't. Not good. Um, coaching for me, and 
it's a, it's so much time and effort. The co- coaches, man, it's they spend so much time at the rink and they work so hard that I don't. And, and I'll, maybe I'll coach Isaiah one day or or uh, or something that's not so much you know so time consuming. But um, that's not to say I won't be involved with uh, maybe the predators or predators organization at some point. But um, I've never really seen myself as a coach. How would you describe Nashville's passion for the Predators? Well, man, it's, it was one of the first – when I got traded in 2011, um, and I'd played there on the road, but I guess it was just, you know, when you, you're a part of a team and a fan base, you kind of get used to it. And I've come from – I played in Ottawa for many years, and it's a good hockey town. I came down to play for the Preds, and I was I was pretty surprised at how, you know, good the fans were. And then since then, it's – it's gotten more crazy and people are all about hockey down here. They're, they're learning the sport and they know what it's all about. And I guess last year when we went to the cup final was really when it people, I guess if they hadn't seen it or heard about it, I mean, everyone heard about it, but really got on the bandwagon and to see some of the pictures of the finals and, um, you know, all the uh, thousands and thousands of people down Broadway. And that's when I think, you know, it really, hit us how how fortunate we're to play here and everyone everyone our team everyone that's played in nashville loves playing here it's a great city and so it was an impossible ticket to get to i mean impossible i tried i had buddies who live in that town who are like man what call everybody you know i gotta get a ticket (laughs) can't get one why do you think they're so passionate uh you know what i think it's it's kind of like you know college football meets hockey um, you know, with the chance and they, but they're not like, if you go to Canada and this is, everyone loves hockey in Canada, but also, and I, you know, I'm guilty of it too. Everyone thinks they're, you know, professional hockey watchers, you know, they know everything. They know how <laughs> they're all coaches and, but down here, it's a little different. They didn't really as much grow up around hockey. Everyone's kind of learning, but they want to go have a good time and support you. And um, they just love to see, you know, a team that works hard and, puts everything on the line and I think I think our our management coaching staff have done a good job of putting together a team that's fun to watch that works that you know people can appreciate you know in the city and they do and it's man it's 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 fun to fun to watch I really learned a lot Mike about the passion and the um familial bond of the hockey community with this Humboldt Broncos story and yeah how tragic that was. How did, how did that story impact you emotionally? I still, I'll never forget. It's almost like, you know, nine 11, you kind of remember, I just, you remember where you were when you heard the news and I, I was at a teammates, um, that night and he got a text from his dad. He he lived in that part of the country and he got a text from his dad because his dad knew someone in that organization. And it was like this bus crash. And I was like, Holy cow, you know, and these, you know, it kind of brings you back to your days of being on the bus. I mean, spent hours and hours on the bus, you know, in junior hockey. And um, then you hear you hear the stories. And I actually got a chance to talk to some of the kids in the hospital, you know, about a week or two after. And um, which was, it was yeah, kind of cool just to talk to some of these kids and uh, try to encourage them uh, the best you can in just an awful situation. And, um I don't know if you saw, if you ever get a chance, though, if you saw the, the chaplain uh, he did at the memorial service, about 20 minutes long, and there's a video of it. This, the, the sermon he gave was one of the most incredible things I've ever heard. And if you ever get a chance, and anyone that's listening to, to check it out, it's powerful. I send it to a bunch of friends and people and stuff, but, you know, sometimes we don't, we don't understand why those things happen and but in the hockey world like you did just to see the people come together all over and we have the stickers on our helmets and you know every team i think in the league you know donated some money and you know as you saw the gofundme page went crazy too but that's man it was yeah what'd you say to the kids in the hospital well i just i tried to just tell them that everyone is with them you know pass on from our team because our team had really everyone had been talking about it for the days prior. And I told him, you know what, our team's with you. And um, if there's anything we can do and um, to let us know and just told them I've been praying for them, which I had been. And, 
that was it. It's, it's, it's hard to know really what to say other than you care and, you know, you, you're thinking about them and praying for them. And, um, you hear lots of, lots of neat stories too, of how God used that situation. And I had a good friend that was there as he's a chaplain and he was there and saw the kids and was able to meet the families. And, um, it's just, just an awful situation. Staying on the philanthropy theme, I saw that you and Carrie donate money to kids in Haiti. What, what leads you to do that? Well, we, we originally went on a, uh, with a team from our church to, uh, it's called Denita's Children. It's in, uh, Wanamint, Haiti, the northern, northeastern part of Haiti. But, uh, so we went with a, a group from our church and, uh, some friends and our pastor. And, um, we got to, we got to spend a few days down there and we fell in love with some of the kids and the staff down there. And, um, you know, just to, to see the difference this, this ministry is making is really incredible. And we just, you know, it's, it's hard. There's so many great organizations to give money to, but sometimes when you go to some of these, especially abroad, you see see the work that's being done. You meet, actually meet the kids, and then you kind of feel like you're part of it. So, so we've been uh, we've been supporting them. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be on the board as well, and uh, and we do a gal actually in the fall. Last year was the first year we did it, um, and this year we got another one coming up that you know Carrie sings, and we have some entertainment and. Uh, we raise some money, and it's always it's always a good time. But we uh, we definitely love love Danita's children. All right, on a much uh, lighter, funnier note, let's discuss hockey teeth. Yeah. What is the rite <laughs> of passage from losing these teeth, man? <laughs> well, I, you know what? I lost my first one. I guess I was eighteen years old. I lost lost one, took a puck in the face, and then I lost two actually, and then. Uh, but ten years ago, I lost another one up top. I got head butted after a fight. <laughs> so, man, it, you you won't find too many anymore that that haven't lost teeth. But uh, and some guys don't. I I wear mouth guard. You know, I, I always have. Not not in junior actually, but um, which probably lost why well, I lost two in the bottom. But um, yeah, I always wear mouth guard now. But you won't find too many guys that don't have they don't have missing teeth. I was actually two days ago. I was in the I was in the dentist chair and I'm still getting mine. I'm going from the old, uh, bridge. I'm, I'm taking one and, and going to, uh, getting some posts put in. So you're going I'm implant, still working on my teeth. I'm going in plans. Let me I'm tell you to... something, Mike, I got to give you some <laughs> advice, brother. I've done yeah. it. It hurts. It hurts. Then again, you're uh, pain. You're a hockey player, man. Your, your pain tolerance is probably about 7,000 times mine. I it, don't know. I yeah. had that tooth in the very bottom all right, so the bottom row, very front. I had that thing ripped out when I was a kid. I was like nine years old. It was a permanent tooth, and my dentist didn't know it was a permanent tooth. He ripped it out. And so just a few years ago, I finally decided, okay, it's time for – I had a bridge forever. And they're like, dude, you yeah. got to get an implant. Yeah. It stinks. There's nothing fun about it, man. It, it, well, it, it, no good. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, though, when you <laughs> – when you go from no gas at all in Canada dentistry to gas in Nashville dentistry, that's a game changer. <laughs> yes, sir. That's a game changer. Man, I spent hours in the dentist chair in Canada, no gas, nothing. I didn't even know what it was until I came down here. They just and, fire. Yeah, they, wait a minute. So there's no you're, – you're your, your mental state is not altered at all in Canada? They just grab the pliers and start ripping? Pretty much. Yeah, I never got put out. I got my wisdom teeth out, and I never got even put out. What? I was like, I'll stay. You're hearing all the grinding, and what? I'm like, man, I'm, I won't do that again. <laughs> Whatever. I, I'm telling you, I would be punching some dentists in the mouth if they try to do that to me, man. Yeah, Ridiculous. But... What is being a country music star's spouse like? I know your situation is different because you're <clears> – <throat> You know, you have your own fame in your own right, and in that town especially. But okay, yeah. what, what is it like being like being Carrie Underwood's husband? Well, it's it's great. You know, we have uh, we have you know what great marriage. I'm fortunate to have a great wife, and um, and you know what, for both of us, we're kind of you know, we're in the spotlight. She is more than me, and I, you know what, I'm happy to see her. Well, none of us really crave the attention or or even like it to be honest but we know that that's kind of the platform that we've been given and she's been given you know a great platform and one of the best voices ever and so i mean i i'm happy to hold her purse at award shows or do whatever i need to do (laughs) 
you know, I'd rather the spotlight be on her than me. Because <laughs> that man, you want to see someone uncomfortable, you go to you go to some of these uh, red carpets, <laughs> and you will see me being very uncomfortable. <laughs> Can you guys even go out anywhere? Yeah, you know what, Nashville's Nashville's good. It's you know what, it's people are friendly and. Um, you know, it's pretty good. We can still go out for dinners and we have certain spots we, we like to go, but we, we don't, we love being at home to be honest. So, cause we travel enough as it is, we love being at home. So we don't, we don't get out a lot, but people are pretty good for the most part. She's really good at wowing people. Uh, my wife and I went to the CMAs last year and that performance that she did where she sang softly and tenderly, uh, unbelievable. I mean, I've, I am a country music guy. It is my thing. I study it. I study its history. I know all, so much about it. I have buddies who are artists. I have writer buddies who are artists, on and on, okay? That performance was time-stopping. Mm-hmm. When you see your wife do something like that that does stop time in that way, how does that affect you? Well, that that I agree with you. That, that uh, song, that performance was... It was crazy, and you know there wasn't a, probably a dry eye in that place. And nope. during their performance, like I, I, I get nervous during some of her performances. I don't know why I still do, but just want her to do well. And but that one, you know, halfway through, I just started praying I'm, just because I know that it it can change people. It can change, you know, the way just even through a performance like that. And it's amazing that people still mention that to me, like like you did. I'll you know get text right after and just from different people and um it's i just proud of her and she she picks songs like that she that's the one she wanted to sing and that you know can make a difference and even just for you know small small minute that it changes people and that was uh that one and uh, how great thou art that she's you'll see you can see it online those are probably my two favorite favorite performances you know songs (laughs) <laughs> anymore or like ever <laughs> not as much as she used to <laughs> what's that tell you mike honestly you know what i'll be totally honest and uh maybe sometimes she doesn't like it but honestly like i don't uh, i i listen to all the stuff you know that she's got she's got you know we we love still listen to it she's got her new album coming out in september and so i'll listen to it and i'll tell her what i like what i don't like and most of it's a, I'm not, I'm not overly critical usually, but, um, I'll tell her songs I really like and, but she doesn't, you know, she's got lots of people in her life, but I, I try to just be as honest as I can. I imagine you have to yeah. have some country music buddies. Uh, who are your country music buddies? Like you go hunting with anybody? Uh, no, I haven't. I, I mean, I, not at, not with it. Those guys are so busy. I mean, I've fished. I fished at Luke's place, you know, quite a bit. He's he's someone I keep in contact with, and Amazing um, dude. Gary Lavox too. Yeah, those two are kind of outdoors guys that that I you know keep in touch with and try to see once in a while. And um, but they're all, you know what? All country music. Everyone's so friendly and nice. It's and everyone says it's like a big family, but really everyone is super nice and good guys and, and i see dirks every once in a while too he came in and brought his son to practice uh this this year and he's always he's always at a lot of the games and around a little bit and he's he's an awesome guy too so but they're uh you know they're all great couple more things and i'll get you out of here brother one more thing about mama you mentioned that uh, you mentioned her accident she fell and got hurt what did that tell you H- how did you guys react to that the way that people reacted to it what was that moment like uh, that was tough. I mean, some people don't really know the extent of it or, you know, and she looks great now, man. She, she's, her doctor's done a great job and, you know, for someone who's in the spotlight and always critiqued for, you know, what she does and how she looks and, uh, but she is strong and she, you know what, she'll, she's, uh, she's stronger because of it now. And she just, she just took it like, you know, if some people could see the pictures of after it happened, it would be like, whoa, compared to what she looks like now. Like, it's it's amazing. But you know what? When you go through these situations and it's like, he just, God will use them. He always does. And um, we always, you know, she's like, I remember right after, you know, coming back, she's like, you know what? Could have been way worse because she was at home alone. I was up at my hunt camp actually in Kentucky. And 
she's really fortunate she wasn't knocked out. And it was a cool, it was a cold night, and you know, her son was she was just there with her son. Like it's amazing that she was able to get up and and you know call someone, and they came over to help. And so she's like, you know, what? it could have been way worse. And she, you know, she's like, I'll be fine, and and she is, and and uh, you know, God just uses those moments to make you stronger, and and hopefully, you know, encourage people along the way. So it wasn't. It wasn't easy for sure, but um, you never want to see your your wife, you know, look like that. But she she's she's so strong, and she came out of it, and, and she's doing great now. So, what was the extent of it? Uh, a lot of stitches. You know, she had forty to fifty stitches. She had chipped tooth, and she's lucky. Like doctors amazed. She's like, I can't believe you didn't break any bones. But um, it was the most fluky accident that you know just tripped on the step and. Yeah, that was that was it. And she broke her wrist. Sorry, she broke her wrist. She had to have surgery on her wrist, which was, you know, healed up pretty good. So, glad she's okay, man. Uh, yeah, you've been on quite a sports tour here the past uh, year or so. I saw you went to Bama, been to a couple NASCAR races. How closely do you pay attention to other sports? Uh, I, I I I like watching. I mean, at home, I'll watch a little bit of golf. Uh, I, I'm not a college football guy because I, well, I grew up in Canada. I just never watched it. I always watched hockey. And, um, but two of my buddies that went to, to Alabama, like, we got to take you. As soon as you retire, we're going to take you to a game. And that was, that was a cool experience to see. That was the first time I've been to, to, to a college football game. And I do like, I do like NASCAR a lot. Um, uh, been to three or four races and so I, I follow it a little bit. I'm not, um, but, um, I like UFC too. I'll watch UFC fights and stuff. I follow that a little bit. And, um, I found out watching more hockey once I retired. I watched more hockey this year than I'd normally do just because you're always watching video and you're playing so much. And But, um, you know, once I retired, I started watching a little bit more hockey on TV. But I, I just like – I love sports in general. Got your little dude on yeah. skates yet? Oh, yeah. He's – he's uh, I took him out a little bit this, this past fall and winter. There's a little – actually a little cool little rink down uh, – in uh in Frank, downtown franklin it's just a small little ice sheet so we could get on there and he just likes it when i go fast and carry him at this point but he's <laughs> he's he's only three so he's you know but he'll he'll be probably this winter coming up he'll be he'll be good to go on his own but, two more things i need a yeah. couple lists all right based up based on your social media feed man you read a lot oprah's yeah. got a book list what's on the mike fisher like top three best books Top three. Um, Purpose Driven Life, I love. Bob Goff, um, Everybody Always, I just finished, is really, really good. It's great. And then Scott Hamilton's new book, too, I love. I tweeted about that one. Those would be my three, two newest ones that I've read. And then uh, I've always loved Purpose Driven Life by, by Rick Warren. Those are probably my three. Very good. All right, last thing, brother. Uh, I got to know what's on the, other than Mama, I got to know what's on the pre-game playlist when you're do you guys like wear ear like all the nba guys and all the college football guys nfl guys cam newton they got headphones on during warm-ups right you guys have on ear in earbuds in during warm-ups no no we're not we're not allowed to do that you know i've never wore earbuds i i've just never really i don't know never really been a fan of earbuds in a team sport but um i like uh we did actually play the champion believe it or not the playoffs uh, we played the champion before we'd go out, which is a great one for for sports. But I love uh, I like I like hard rock. There's a lot of the rap stuff which I'm not. I'll listen to, but I'm not. <laughs> if I'm choosing, it's hard rock. You know, Metallica, ACDC, that stuff. Uh, TFK, Thousand Foot Crutch. I listen to a lot of that stuff, and I'm a, I'm more hard rock to get pumped up. Brother, you're the man. I can't thank you enough yeah. for giving us your time and insight. It was awesome to spend time with you and. Um, I hope to see you soon, man, next time I'm in Nashville. Yeah, let me know. I, I appreciate you having me on. I'd come on anytime with you, Marty. What a great conversation. I appreciate Mike so much for sharing his time with me. The catching deers thing just cracks me up. That guy, he better know. I'm going to be hitting him up to go hunting. I love I love going hunting. I, mean, I don't get to do it enough. And obviously, he and his brother and the boys have it down to a science. When you go creating awesome apparel companies based on the fact that you're infatuated with hunting and somebody walks into a room randomly and says hey man y'all caught any deers 
It doesn't get any better than that. Well, think about this also. If you want to, you go to Nashville, you hunt, and then you go over to Phil's place, go down into his wine cellar. Money. It's a, uh, that's a guy's trip if you've ever heard of one. And I could discuss hunting with Mike with Phil over wine. That's my kind of day right there. Spend the morning in the woods and the evening with a glass of wine talking country music with somebody that I really admire. And I will say to you guys that uh, this week I am heading down to Atlanta, Georgia with Ryan McGee, my buddy uh, from the Marty McGee program, every Saturday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern. And ESPN, the SEC Network, has kind of given us the keys to interview all 14 coaches in the Southeastern Conference, and they're going to make television programs on SEC Network based off of these interviews that we do with the coaches. And we're not going to talk football. We're going to talk life. And what, I mean, who knows what we're, you know, if you guys have ever listened to Marty and McGee, you know it's the most random thing ever. And who knows where it's going to spin off towards. It's going to be fun. And of course, one of those people that we will be chatting with is the defending national champion, the six-time national champion, Nick Saban, head coach at the University of Alabama. And that leads me directly into the Marty Party. What are we going to do, bud? We're going to drink one of these beers. Hand me one of them damn beers real quick. What's up, man? Marty Party. So last year, a little bit after this time, sometime around late August, right before the season started, ESPN sent my producer, Jonathan Wiley, and myself down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama for a week. We go down there because we're going to spend the week with the Tide previewing that tremendous season opener that they had in Atlanta against Jimbo Fisher and the Florida State Seminoles. And we did all kinds. When we, when we go to these programs, we created a little franchise called Inside the Program where we show everything. We show the training room. We show the film room. We interview players and coaches, and we spend a lot of time immersed within the intricate details of the program. And during that, several years ago, uh, maybe around 2015, I think, it might have been 16, Jeff Allen, who is the athletic director for sports performance, I think is Jeff's title. Jeff, if that's not your real title, forgive me, it's something of that ilk. Uh, he pulls me into the training room and he shows me, he said, watch this, and he puts on a television screen, he puts up a play of former Alabama running back Kenyon Drake running a wheel route, catching a pass, and within 10 or 15 yards, Kenyon was running 25, 26 miles an hour, some crazy freakish number. And I wondered, I was fascinated by this. And so I asked Jeff, well, what is that data? How do you gauge that? Is it a mathematical equation? No, it's not. It is technology called Catapult. And what Catapult is, it's a little GPS sensor that's about the size of a cigarette lighter. And it's it's placed within the shoulder pad, in the back part of the shoulder pad, and it gauges all these metrics. It measures speed, velocity, impact, on and on. Stuff I can't even fathom, too stupid to understand. But it's so cool. And they have all this data on all these players. And what it allows the programs to do is tailor workouts and practices around what the players' bodies are telling them. It's uh, Guys, it's fascinating. They can almost scientifically tell if a guy's tired or if he's loafing. It's pretty crazy. So anyway, fast forward to last year. I wanted to do the catapult thing. I wanted to see how fast I was running and how hard I was hitting things. And so... Eventually, we coaxed them into letting me dress in full pads. I'm, I'm not kidding you guys. Like, I wore football pants. I wore shoulder pads. I wore, uh, they've made a custom M. Smith number nine Alabama Crimson Tide jersey, helmet, the whole nine. They put the catapult in my shoulder pad and live on television on Sports Center, I ran the 50 yard dash in full pads on the practice field at the University of Alabama and I'm not saying it was the most athletic-looking thing you've ever seen, but I will say that I was way faster than I expected. Hold, hold on a minute. i got to find out. I forget how fast I actually ran. Hold on a minute. Uh, well, how fast did I run? I can't remember what my speed was. I bet Kyle and I bet Kyle and Jeff will. Let me try to call Kyle real quick. I want to say it was like 14. Was it 14.7 miles an hour? If he answers, I'm going to make him say on the podcast. You're on the Marty Smith America podcast, and I need to have your 
testimonial about A, how fast I ran in full pads, and B, how fast do you recall that I ran? Freak zone. Freak zone, baby. It was, it was all freak zone. Freak zone is what, 21 miles an hour and faster? Yes, 21 miles an hour and faster. 21 miles an hour and faster. All right, thank you, Kyle. No problem, man. So Kyle says I was in the freak zone. Let me explain to you guys what the freak zone is. They have a 21 to 25 mile, they have a chart, okay? Let me explain to you guys what the freak zone is. They have a chart. They chart every player's data, and any player over, I think it's 21 miles an hour, is the freak zone. And I can remember, he Kyle has triggered my memory now. I ran 17.4 miles an hour in the 50-yard dash, my top-end speed, 17.4 miles an hour. Travis, tell me you're impressed. When are you going to suit up and play for him? You got eligibility Uh, left? I wanted to take live punts. I wanted to catch live punts in practice, but thank God, I think it's against NCAA rules, I don't know, but thank God they didn't let me do that because I will guarantee you if Ronnie Harrison hit me, I would turn into powder. You know when LeBron pours that talcum powder in his hands and he goes, and it goes, it's it's this iconic thing that LeBron does? That's what would happen to me if Ronnie Harrison hit me on a punt return. Boom, I would be the powder that LeBron uh, that LeBron billows forth from his hands before every game. Forget about the you getting hit. If J.K. Scott, their former punter, kicked 10 punts, could you catch all 10? No question about it. I don't know. Maybe that might be iffy, Travis. That's a good point. I was a high school punt returner. I returned punts from a high school. Don't you think that's comparable to returning punts for the University of Alabama? I think it will at least give you the ability to field the punt without dropping it. I mean, the Mountain Empire District in southwest Virginia where I grew up, I mean, the talent level is, it's definitely comparable to the SEC West. So I think I'm prepared. And it's probably only been 24, five years or so since I called a punt live. I got it handled, Travis. Hold on a second. Mountain Empire District was where you're from, what it was called? Mountain Empire District. Why hasn't, why hasn't like the SEC or some other league just adopted that? Like those are the names that these leagues need to be called. The Big Ten, Pac-12, like no, we need, Mountain Empire. The Mountain Empire Conference. I agree with you. I mean, it's it's a commanding presence, the the Mountain Empire District. We also, in my area, have a Three Rivers District, which is also very fancy. We digress. We digress. Let me get to the story. So I run the 50. We I had this really funny appearance on the Dan Lebitard show. I love those guys. I love doing their show. And I find out live on their show, I'm talking to Dan and Stu, and I'm bragging about running 17.4 miles an hour. I do their show live in full pads. I think I think I took the helmet off. I was going to do the live shot with the helmet on. I think I took it off, but I might have worn it. I don't recall. We should go back and research that. I think I did wear it. I think I wore a helmet. Anyway, so I find out live on the air that offensive linemen are faster than me. So suddenly I was depressed, and I wanted to show off my athleticism, so I turn and run a fly pattern live on TV, And my producer, Jonathan Wiley, whom I mentioned a minute ago, he threw his arm out, probably tore his labrum, throwing me a pass. I almost ran into a ladder. I almost hit the goalpost. It was a complete train wreck. But, damn, it was funny. It was very funny. And it's actually now, if you go look at my Twitter page, at Marty Smith ESPN, the banner on my Twitter page is me right after that Lebitard live shot holding my helmet in the air, walking away off into the sunset like John Wayne or something. Maybe uh like Joe Namath after he uh, beat the Indianapolis Colts in the Super Bowl. So the next day, I was to interview Coach Saban in a sit-down format at the Alabama football facility about the coming game against Florida State, how he felt the preseason has gone, what he's looking forward to. You guys see those types of interviews all the time. So he comes in, and one thing I love about Coach Saban is he says hello to everybody when he walks in the room. Hello, lighting guy. Hello, sound guy. On and on. So he says hi to everyone, and then he comes over to where Wiley and I are standing, and he's going to sit down and do this interview with me. And he looks over at Wiley, and he gets that, I love, one of the greatest moments of my career is one of the most fulfilling things for me is when I make Saban laugh. I can't I can't lie. I think it's so funny that when he finds something funny, I don't know why, maybe because you don't, don't see it that often, but he has that like sly grin on his face. And he says, guys, I got home last night, 8.30 or 9, after spending the whole day preparing for Florida State. 
And Miss Terry, his lovely wife, Terry Saban, says, sit down on the couch a minute. you got to watch this. And he's like, what am I watching? Because, look, truth told, Coach Saban doesn't pay that close attention to what we're doing. I don't know if he pays any attention to what we're doing, especially on a you know game prep week of that magnitude where it could really offset your entire season if you lose it. He's laser-focused on Florida State. He's not worried about us dressing in full pads and running the 50. So he sits down on the couch at Miss Terry's behest, and she hits the play button, and it's my stupid ass running the 50, wearing full pads, catching fly patterns, and being completely embarrassed that offensive linemen are faster than I am. And he said, I sat there, and I looked at her, and we laughed our tails off for 10 straight minutes watching this run the 50. Ladies and gentlemen, that's when I knew I made it. I made Coach Saban belly laugh by wearing his uniform and running on his field. Look, man, it's a, you heard Kyle say it. It's a freak zone. And you know what my rebuttal was to Coach Saban? Four years, brother. I still have four years of eligibility. If you need that little water bug slot receiver to take your offense to the next level, I'm your guy. Let's go. Speaking of hilarious, it's time for the Hillbilly Hotline. Words, sayings, or just a way of life? Roman Candles? That's a redneck mortar launcher. That's what that is. (laughs) This is Hillbillyisms. Colwyn Police Department in Pike County say they arrested two men after stopping a burglary in progress Thursday. WYMT Sean Allen spoke with one of the arresting officers about what they say was the unusual motive for the crime. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, the surveillance video uh, shows two male subjects uh, entering the home there uh, through the utility room on the, the back side or the side of the house. Responding to a burglary in progress, Officer James Sexton with the Cold Run Police Department says he saw Mark Donson run out of a house with tools in his hands, but the homeowner was able to get to him first. And the homeowner uh, jumped out of his truck and ran after him and tackled him in the backyard. After Donson was arrested, he was found with more than just tools. I also had uh, eggs he had taken from the home. Uh, he did state that he was hungry. Hunger may have been his motive for burglary, but Sexton says being thirsty is what led them to his accomplice. The subject that we had arrested had requested that he go next door and uh, that he was thirsty, he was hot, and that he wanted to get a Mountain Dew. And next door is where they found Mark Donson's accomplice, his brother Luke. Sexton went on to say there was several other stolen items recovered from the house, but they never found Mountain Dew. In Cole Run, Sean Allen, <laughs> WYMT Mountain News. Travis, that's a new one. Uh, you know, but I will say, sometimes, man, you just got to have that Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew is, is Mountain Dew the greatest soft drink? It's way up there. It's one of those ones that there's just times where you, that you need a Mountain Dew, like Pepsi, Coke, whatever, like it, it's gets the job done but sometimes you just need a cold mountain dew like as dale jr especially when you rob a house i mean when you rob a house you got to get a do right like a hot summer day you probably need you know it's hard work breaking in the house need a little I mean, you know quench thirst think about his stress level of trying to carry these fragile eggs in one hand and these manly tools in the other hand i would need a do there's no no doubt about it you know what dude let me tell you when i was a little boy we didn't have a bunch of stores near me where I grew up in Parisburg, Virginia. Shocker. But there was a Sam's, a Sam's Wholesale Warehouse 60-something miles away in Roanoke. So once a month or once every six weeks, Mom and Daddy would load us up in the, in the car, and we would drive to Roanoke, and we would stock up at Sam's. And I mean, like, I mean, I mean rear, rear end dragging the asphalt because we bought so much stuff. And one thing that my daddy would buy was Reese cups in bulk, like the four sleever. You know what I mean? The 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 like movie size Reese cup that has oh, yeah. four Reese oh, cups yeah. in it. All right, daddy would buy a case of the four sleeve, four count sleeve Reese cups, and he would buy two or three cases of Mountain Dew. So my best childhood friend, Mark Vincent Bones, y'all have heard me talk about him many times on the Marty and McGee program. He is now the trainer for the Tampa Bay Rays Major League Baseball organization. 
grew up two doors down from me. How weird is that, right? Like these two dudes got out of this tiny little town and both of us made our way to made our way to professional sports. Anyway, so Bones and I love the Atlanta Braves and we would sit there and we would watch the Atlanta Braves play baseball at four o'clock in the afternoon and we would eat Reese cups and pound Mountain Dews the entire game. Can you imagine as much, listen to me, as fired up as I get about life, back me up 30 years to where I'm 12 years old, eating Reese cups and pounding Mountain Dews, I must have been buzzing off the walls, Jack. I bet your parents loved you then. Oh, my Lord. I'm surprised. My, I mean, it's no wonder my dad thought I was a complete idiot all the time. Anyway, so based on that body of work, Bones and I understand why a man who robs a house and has eggs in one hand and tools in the other could need a Mountain Dew. I'm surprised he didn't ask for Reese cups for dessert. I can't thank Sean Allen enough for that little ditty, that little gem from the mountains of Kentucky. I don't know if Kentucky has mountains. We need more. Travis, I can't tell them the number. You have to tell them the number. 860. I know that part. Come on. You can do it, Marty. 860-516-1315. Was it right? There you go, boys and girls. I wrote it down. That's why. I wrote it down the other day, and when you write things down, it is seared into your memory. Call us. Tell us your hilarious stories. Send us news stories. Tell us about your tailgate. We got tailgating coming up, y'all, in a month here. What, six weeks? In six weeks, we're playing ball again. Cold beer, Mountain Dew, and Reese Cups. By the way, that's a whole other debate. The Reese Cup Blizzard is undefeated as the greatest you're, you're an idiot. dessert. You're an idiot. Dude, it's undefeated. No, we even, Dairy Queen even put a pull up for us and it came back that you were an idiot. But I don't think that they put, they didn't put Reese Cup in the poll. I'm pretty sure we, we'll double check. I don't and, think they did. It's Oreo and it's not even close. Oreo then no, maybe sorry, cookie man. dough. Oreo, Oreo, it doesn't even compare. There is no comparison between the Reese Cup Blizzard and the Oreo Blizzard. We'll get a I'm hold sorry, of Dairy man. Queen and we'll do this again, but you're wrong. It's, it's not even close. All right. Well, either way, thank you to Sean Allen. Thank you to Dairy Queen for being awesome. Thank you to our sponsors. Go to Kalo.com, promo code SMITH. Get 15% off your new rings there. We appreciate them so much being such staunch supporters of me personally and of the Marty Smith America podcast. Laney and I love their rings. Wear them every day. Thanks so much to, to you, Travis, for getting us these amazing guests. It's just, it's awesome. Louise, thanks for being crazy enough to give us this platform. And above all, thank you guys so much for your passion and loyalty for the Marty Smith America podcast. Look, as I said at the top of the show, please subscribe, rate, and review. It seems trivial. Maybe it is, but it matters to us. It helps us when you guys are interactive that way. We live in the greatest country in the world. God bless America. Thank you guys for taking the time. We'll holler at you next week.